joy, sometimes it seems to escape us because of what we related to or circumstances that we're going through. And I thought about how God has a way of causing joy to find us. Did you ever notice how God tends to show up at the most desperate times in your life that when you feel alone, all of a sudden he just changes things and joy comes in where just a few days ago, there was no hope at all. And I want to show that to you in Scripture today. If you would go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 137, and I want to read verses 1 to 6. Before I read it, let me tell you what's happened. Israel, God had, had fulfilled his word to Abraham. He made his seed a great and mighty nation. It took some time, Jeannie. 1,264 days. I thought about how that sometimes it, it may take longer than you want, but it's always better than you believed. He ends up doing it in ways that we can't comprehend or even think of. He told Abraham that he would multiply his seed as the sand of the sea. And Abraham never got to see it happen, but he knew it would. Are you with me? See, we, we live in a world today that is, and you know, how many of you remember the Polaroids? Man, that was the hottest thing on the market. You remember that? I remember, I, I remember when dad got one and we were out on vacation and he clicked it, ripped the picture right out of the side of it, peeled it open. And the first ones you had to put some stuff on or you'd fade. And then he, then the, they, they came out with another one where you peeled it off and then you waited and dad was counting. Okay. And he'd rip it off and there we were. The first time my grandmother saw that, dad had taken a picture of her he waited, he peeled it off, and he handed it to her. And she looked at that, and she didn't know about Polaroids. And she was looking at that. Who, who is that? Well, well, that looks like me. Where did that come from? That's witchcraft. No. <laughs> she didn't say that, but I've been in some countries where they did. <laughs> and that was the biggest thing, man. It was because we, we moved into instant. Everybody say instant. We want instant oatmeal. Instant potatoes. Everybody go. I, I saw when I said instant potatoes, I, I, I saw heads going. Oh, there, I, I'm just going to tell you there's something about instant that's just not as good as an old fashioned crock pot experience. Anybody in the house today? Sometimes what we want God to do is just give us, whew, I felt it. And then all of a sudden we move from that, but you may have felt it, but it didn't permeate you. It, it didn't soak into you. It didn't get way down deep. And, and so what we need is God to saturate us Amen. with joy. They had received the promise of a nation. They had walked in it. They had experienced it, and they rose in power. 
And then they did something that sometimes we're guilty of. They began to take God for granted. They began to think that they were the reason that they were being blessed. And they got into just a routine of religion instead of a relationship with God. And it cost them. When God took them into captivity, God's plan was never to destroy them, but it was to renew them. How many of you have ever had to get your children's attention? How many of you ever had to have your attention gotten as a child? I remember how a mom would get mine. Any of you ever hear of a switch? You know what I'm talking about? No, well, that only worked. She made me go cut my own one time, and I brought her back a twig. Here, beat me to death, Mom. It was honestly, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I gave her a little stick that I knew was going to break instantly. That was a mistake because then she had my brother go get one. He brought a tree into the house. <laughs> and so it's, we, we learn from mistakes, don't we? We ought to. And that's what God wanted. God never intended. And let me just share this with you right now. If you're going through something, it's not to destroy you. The devil will try and destroy you with it. But you need to understand that the God that you serve is a lot bigger than he ever hoped to be. And he's got your, he doesn't just have your back. He's got your front and your sides. He's got you covered north, south, east, and west. And he's going to see you through it, but you've got to walk through it. Now, some stuff, let's be honest, some stuff we go through because of us. How many of you have ever done something stupid before? Point at somebody that did something stupid. Now, I thought maybe you'd do this. All of a sudden, I saw people doing this. <laughs> Isn't it always something that we can recognize other people's stupidity a lot quicker than we recognize our own? And I, maybe that's the wrong word. Let me, let me find a better word. We recognize other people's lack of understanding. It's just stupid. It just... <laughs> And so what, what happens is that then God's got to get our attention because I, look, we, we had a son, we, we still do, son and daughter, they never, I, I mean, they did some things that I wasn't happy with. Not one time did I ever take them, grab them, throw a suitcase full of their clothes in and say, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. I didn't do that. Why? Because I love them. You, you need to understand that the love that God has for you is greater than the love that you even have for yourself. Amen. And God's determined to bring you into that place he's promised you. And so when Israel strayed away from God, God allowed them to go into captivity to get their attention. And he got it. Listen to Psalms 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For those who carried us away captive ask of us a song. 
And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. They're carried into captivity, and the people that took them there are trying to get them to forget the fact that they're captives and just have a good time anyway. Sing a song of Zion for us. But it was their forgetting God that brought them there. And now they're determined that they're not going to forget God again. They hung their harps in a willow. They wouldn't sing, and, and, and they made statements that if I forget you, Jerusalem, in other words, let me put it this way, if I forget, God, what you've done for me, then let my right hand not work anymore. Let, let my roof cling to the roof of my mouth, or my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I forget what you've done for me, I'm not going there anymore. I want back what God gave me. I want back what the devil's taken from me. I I want it back. And so they're reaching forward, and, and joy seems to be eluding them, but there's a secret to joy. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, the secret of joy. When you're going through something and it seems that it's out of reach and that it's not there, there's something you need to understand about joy. They're going through this. They've hung their harps in the willow, and they're saying, we'll never sing. We'll never forget what God did for us, and, and I'm not going to rejoice in the place that I'm at. But then all of a sudden, something unique happens in Psalms 126, verses 1 through 6. The psalmist begins to write about God came to rescue them. Listen to the words. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. Man, is this real? Is this really happening to me? It was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. The other nations said, what amazing things the Lord's done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. They had been in captivity, and God remembered them. Everybody say, God remembers. God, God doesn't forget. The only thing God forgets is your sin. The Scripture said that he cast that into the sea of forgetfulness. But he does that when there's godly sorrow. Because the Bible said that godly sorrow worketh repentance. It's not like you can just, let me borrow you a minute, Rick. So, you know, it, sometimes this is the way we, we, we want to treat God. We say, well, God, God's going to forgive us. So we, we, go, we go, oh, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's like we're slapping God. You know, just forgive me, forgive me. I, I, I told you about, I'm, I'm in, an, a, in a meeting and a preacher's preaching and the Lord speaks to me and said, he's going to slap you in the face. God is my witness. He walked down off the pulpit where I was sitting at in the congregation and went, I didn't really hit him, folks. He slapped me. He really hit me, hit me in the face. Do you know the scary thing about that was? If God hadn't warned me he was going to do that, I'm not sure how I would have responded. <laughs> what are you getting at? I'm getting at the fact that it's got to come from in here, not up here. Are you with me? Give him a hand clap. Thank you. It's, it's got to come from inside the heart and not just the head. And so when God visited them, they had literally thought that God had just forgotten them. They talked about it in, in Isaiah when they said that, you know, he, he said, why do you say that my way is hid from the Lord. He, what they were saying was in the 40th chapter, they're saying, look, man, God's not even looking at us anymore. He's completely forgotten us. In a time when they felt most desperate, God set a king on the throne that he had written about 150 years before he's ever sat on the throne. And in the book of Isaiah, I believe it's the 40th or 40, no, it'd be 42, 43, 44. God calls Cyrus by name. 150 years before he's sitting on that throne. And he said, thus have I called my servant Cyrus to release my people to go build that temple. And Cyrus, look, if you read your name in a manuscript that had been 150 years old and it gave you your life story, you'd probably pay attention to it. <laughs> He released them, and they go back, and they said, man, I can't believe this. This is like a dream. Have you ever had God do something for you that was just beyond your imagination? I mean, you were just so, so blessed by it. You, you just couldn't believe it. You thought you were dreaming. Think about Peter. He spent, you know, Herod had killed James with a sword, and he saw that it pleased the crowd, so he takes and he arrests Peter, and he throws him in jail. It's in the book of Acts, the 12th chapter. He throws him in jail, and when he throws him in jail, he's getting ready to bring him out the next day, and Peter's going to be executed as well. And that night, he's chained between two guards. There are literally 16 soldiers that are guarding him, four quadrants of soldiers that are guarding him, chained between two of them, and an angel shows up right in the middle of all that. You need to understand, it doesn't matter what you're going through or where you're at right now, God can show up right in the middle of it. Right in the, God's not intimidated about your circumstance or your problem or your situation. He doesn't wring his hands and say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do for them? That angel showed up, tapped Peter on the side, woke him up and said, get up, get dressed. And when he got up, the chains fell off of him. Peter thinks he's dreaming. He goes, he walks through the prison house, doors are opening up on their own accord. And when he comes to himself, he's out in the middle of the street and he did what any escapee would do. He ran. <laughs> Goes to Rhonda's house, Rhoda's house. Rhonda must have been her sister. Go, go, goes to Rhoda's house. Gets over there and when she, he gets over there, he's knocking on the door and they go look at the people. Now these folks, these faith believing Bible standing, God-fearing men and women had been praying and interceding for Peter. We believe God's going to do it. We believe God's going to do it. 
when they saw him at the peephole, that, ran, that lady ran back in and said, Peter's standing at the door. And those faith-believing brothers and sisters said, oh, man, that must be Peter's ghost. He must already be dead. I'm not making that up. See, when you pray for something, isn't it amazing how God works? Because even when your prayer may be struggling, God isn't. Even when you may be struggling with your faith, God isn't. And so he answered and they came. And don't you know that Peter had to be happy? I mean, think about the happiest moment you ever were in your life. What was it like? These people are singing and shouting for joy. They're beside themselves. It said it was like a dream. Now, look at this scripture. It said, they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with harvest. What's the seed that we're planting? They weep as they plant their seed. Scripture talks about the parable of the sower. He went forth and he sowed some seed. It's the word of God. What you do with the word of God will have a tremendous impact on your life. Well, pastor, I just never read it. Well, maybe that's why you're in the mess you're in. I just never look at the word. You've got to get it in you. He said he would bring all things to remembrance, but he's not going to bring something to remembrance that you didn't get in you to begin with. And so you go forth weeping and sowing that seed, trusting God. And in the book of Isaiah, he said that his what? That his word doesn't return to him void, but it accomplishes what it was set forth to do. So how does his word return to him? When we declare it, when we proclaim it, when we stand in the gap and make up the hedge, when we've got children that are howling at the moon on Friday and we stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, you promised me my seed. You said that you're going to bring them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I stand on that promise that my house is going to be saved 1,264 days. I don't care how long it takes. He's an on-time God. He may not do it when you want it, but he's right on time. He's right on time. When we were, I'm about to get ahead of myself. I got excited. You've got to let God do it. How many times have we gotten in the way of God? How many times have we tried to give God a hand? You know, you really need to get straight with God. I've been praying for you. I pray he convicts your old sinful heart. I can promise you that that's not going to draw anybody to you. Or we act like we are better than everybody else. Praise God. I know what I'm talking about. I was around this stuff. Praise God. Brother, it's so good to see you. Well, that's not what they told me you said (laughs) in that board meeting. (laughs) Do you understand? God's just looking for you to be real because he wants to be real with you. So when we get transparent with God, 
I'll never forget. I went to Trinidad. You ever been had before? I had a big group, well, not a real big group, I think maybe 15 people going to Trinidad with me. And I was trying to set up, you know, it was the first time I was always so mission-minded, you know, and project-oriented. And, and I realized that my wife was telling me, you, got, you, you know, you need to lighten up a little bit. You need. So I'm going to do a little side excursion. Let them see some things. She's laughing because she knows what happened. So I set this up, man. I tell everybody, I've got it set up. We're going to go down. We're going to get on a glass bottom boat and go down. And there, there, there's manatee in there. And, there, you know, and it's going to be great. And, and so we get to the place for the glass bottom boat. It was fiberglass. I kid you not. I looked at the guy and I said, you said this was a glass bottom boat. He said, it is, it's fiberglass. We go down the middle of a bayou. I don't know if they got them in Trinidad, but that's what this looked like, man. There are trees growing up, hanging out, crabs, hundreds of crabs crawling on, on top of these trees. There's alligator in these waters, and we're going down through there. And I got women with me that are wrapped around each other like this. <laughs> the boat's leaking. We get ready to go back. The guy literally looked at me and said, oh, it's a good thing to shore right up there. He said, three more minutes, we're underwater. That wasn't exactly what it was cracked up to be. See, the devil will always paint you a picture. I said, don't worry about this. I've got another one planned. Don't worry about this. We're going to go see the mud volcanoes. Going to redeem myself. We travel three hours across the island to see these mud volcanoes. Well, actually, before the mud volcanoes, we went to see the tar pits. They were one of the leading uh, exporters of tar. We, so we get ready to go see the tar pits. I said, it's going to be okay. We're going to see the tar pits. We drive about two and a half hours to the tar pit. Get to the tar pit. I get out. All I see is a field. I said, where's the tar pit? They said, right out there. I said, what? Yeah, right out there. I said, are you kidding me? So no, and so we walk out there, and, and there's water. It's kind of like a swamp thing. There's water out there. And, I'm th and, and I look down, and I'm looking through this water, and I see some gunk. And I reach down in the gunk and bring it up. You know, when it's under the water, it doesn't stick to your hand. But nobody told me. That when you bring it up out of the water, it's like you stuck your hand in a bucket of tar. Now, I brought my hand up out of the water. And, you know, under the water, I was playing with it. Oh, that's so neat. Oh, that ain't. And so now I'm trying to get this mess off my hand. And we, you know, and, and, and we got, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We're going to the mud volcanoes. Oh, thank God I can go to the mud volcanoes. We get to the mud volcanoes. And we go up, we walk, we drove like another 45 minutes an hour to get to the mud volcanoes. We get out and we go walking up there. This is where the mud volcanoes are, folks. You're really going to enjoy this. This is where the mud volcanoes are. 
this tall. God is my witness. This tall. And it's going bloop, bloop, bloop. I turned around, looked at Pastor Tony and said, tell me you're kidding me. Tell me you did not say this was going to be a great trip. Isn't this wonderful, everyone? Because no matter what you're going through, you can't ever let them see you sweat. You ever have a day like that? This didn't happen over the process of months. This happened over one day. I'm just telling you that sometimes things don't turn out the way you expect. And if you're not careful, you'll let that situation rob you of your joy. But there's a secret to joy. And Nehemiah reveals the secret. See, they left. One, Psalms 126, they're rejoicing because the king said, you can go home. And they went home. But when they got home, things weren't the way they were when they left. And so there's sometimes weeping involved as you're planting. And they were trying to build a new city and get everything ready and at the end of that journey when they finally got the wall built and they had the gates placed and then they brought out the word and started reading the word of God and everybody started crying. Why? Because they realized how far they were from keeping that word. But Nehemiah steps in and he said, don't cry. Do you understand something about God? He knows we need him. He knows that there are times that we mess up. And so he makes a way for us. And Nehemiah looked at them and he said, don't, don't weep because this day is holy to the Lord. Don't weep. Don't, don't, don't let this get in your spirit and rob you. He said, you, you go your way and you, you, you prepare for those that have had nothing. And you eat the fat and you drink the sweet. What's he saying? You take some joy with you on your journey so everybody else will know how good God is. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it take you out because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not about the joy of my circumstance or the joy of my situation. It's the joy of knowing that God is going to rescue me from it all. When we get our focus on him, that last verse or that one verse said, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's getting them ready for. You, you need to shout it out. You need to let him know. First Peter 1 and 8 says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. <laughs> uh, when I got saved, they thought I flipped out. I am not kidding you. Man, they, 
they, I, I had friends come up and ask me because they knew what I, I, I was like before. And they said, what happened to you? What, what, what did you do? What, what happened to you? And I sat down and I'd run around with this guy. I said, let me tell you what happened to me. And I got just a little ways into it. And he started going, oh, no, 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 no. That's all right. That's all right. No, no, no. I'm, I, I want to tell you. I want you to know because it's inexpressible joy. Everybody say inexpressible. Tongue had not, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man those things that God has prepared for those that love him. It's joy on. You ever see somebody saw something and they're trying to tell you and they. I kid you not, man, my son. We went fishing one time. We were coming back. I don't think my sister even saw it. She just heard it. Snake. She went running all the way back. I said, what happened? She went, oh, I was a little bitty kid, little bitty. About like probably four years old. And my older brother stood behind a curtain in the house. And when I walked by, he went, and he made that curtain go up. I went running into the living room, looked at dad. Dad went over there, Daryl, what are you doing? They're about giving him a heart attack, Daryl. It was unspeakable. Wasn't joy. But think about it. There have been a lot of things that have been unspeakable for us, haven't there? There's been grief that's been unspeakable. Disappointment that's been unspeakable. But God said in the midst of all that, I want to give you some joy that's unspeakable. I want to give you some joy that is so good. It'll make you forget about what you've been through. How many of you women in here ever had a baby? Wave your hand if you ever had a baby. If I see a guy's hand go up. Hold, hold your hand up a second if you ever had a baby. What's the first thing they do when the baby's delivered? Most of the time, first thing that happens when the baby's delivered, what do they do? They do what? Huh? No, 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 no. They quit smacking babies a long time ago. There's a law against that. So first thing, what usually first thing they do is what? Huh? I can't understand a word you're saying. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Everybody look up here. I'm going to set you straight. Usually one of the first things they do when the baby is born is they take the baby and they set the baby on mama. How come? Because mama just been through so much pain that mama's ready to take that kid out. But when... She sees him. See, she's been going through pain for something she hasn't been able to see. She's been experiencing turmoil, something that she couldn't hold. But in the moment that she goes through the worst pain of her life, they present the child. And something happens. 
And in an instant of holding that baby, tears turned to laughter. And she forgets the struggle she went through to get there. God's trying to birth something in us. He's trying to, there's something kicking around inside that he planted in there, and he's trying to get you to push. Everybody say it with me. Push. 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 Pray until something happens. Push. 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 When our child was born, which one was it? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. The baby came out, and when the baby came out, we were holding the baby and having a special moment. And I said, They have your nose. Bethany, they have your nose. Well, she said it was smashed, but I said, I said, She's got your nose. And she looked, Oh, he, he's, got, he's got your eyes. And so you start identifying things that you can relate to to that child. You didn't push for nothing. You haven't been through it for nothing. God's going to let you relate it to somebody that's experienced the same thing. You haven't been through the wilderness just to get blisters on your feet. You haven't seen the backside of a desert just to get thirsty. He's doing something in you so you can do something for somebody. Would you stand with me? I want to end with this. When we went to, yesterday we went to the uh, detention center, and we got over there, and I had just a, a few minutes to minister. Man, it was, it was, I mean, it was a full day. We started at like 9 o'clock that morning and I think I got back to the church when Mike and I were unloading got back to the church maybe about seven o'clock that evening and it had been a full day but as strange as it sound I was energized I'd found some strength I didn't know I had. <laughs> Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I got joy when I saw those boys worshiping God. I got joy when I saw their response to this illustration. I talked to them and I said, you ever have someone that, did you ever, struggle with somebody believing in you? Do you ever have people just not believe in you at all? Jesus did. His own family didn't believe in him. His brothers told him, if you're who you say you are, go show yourself to the world. But Jesus didn't run off and hide in a corner someplace and have a pity party. Why? Because Jesus believed in himself. Well, how could he believe in himself? Because he remembered who his father told him he was. We forget 
who we are. We forget who God said we are. And we let somebody else identify us. And because of that, we struggle. Everybody say we struggle. And so we go to God, but we come up empty. We feel like, look, my, my life has just been a big blank. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm nobody. I've, I've got nothing to live for. I've got nothing to strive for. I've got nothing going on in my life. But if you take time to sow some seed, if you take time just to pray a prayer or two, you might discover that all of a sudden you begin to see that life isn't what you thought it was. That where there had been just blank pages, now something's starting to happen and you begin to anticipate that maybe God's got something going on for your life after all. I mean, I can't make it quite all out. It's just a sketch right now. But then if you begin to worship, everybody say worship. What happens when you worship? Apparently nothing. (laughs) When you worship, doesn't it make you feel better? Doesn't it make you feel better? I never forget, man, I I had a splitting headache. I went to church, this has been years ago. I had a splitting headache, man. I think I was running a fever. I went to church, sat down, they started worshiping, you know, and they was getting with it. And I hate to admit it, but I was sitting in my seat going, God, I wish they'd quit. Music's pounding my head. Oh, why can't they just be quiet? This would be a good time for silent night. Just felt, you know, just pounding. You ever have God speak to you? You ever have God get on to you? I promise you, God is my witness, man. All of a sudden I heard in my inner ear, in, in, in my spirit, I heard these words, get up off your seat, stand on your feet and start worshiping me. I didn't argue with that, man. I jumped up. I was afraid lightning was coming. I, was, I jumped up. I threw my hands up, started worshiping God. You know what happened? I got healed in the middle of worship. God healed. I I got my focus off of my problem. I got it on worshiping God and it turned my circumstance around. If you begin to worship, if you, I'm not saying after everything gets right. I'm saying while everything's going wrong, worship God anyway. When everything seems to be falling apart, worship God anyway. Just look at the devil and say hallelujah anyhow, and you're going to discover that all of a sudden, God has put some joy in your life where there had been nothing before. Would you stand with me today? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. Do you ever see women gather around babies? What happens? I had, I had a video clip of my wife. I thought about showing it, but I, I wanted to live through Christmas. She's on the phone. I deleted it, don't worry. She's on the phone with Vivian, our little granddaughter. She's on the phone and she's going, He's done Nana's baby. He's done Nana's baby. He's done Nana's little girl. And Vivian's on the other side. 
nine months old or 10 months old, she's on the other side going, she's going to be just like her grandma. And the more Vivian smiled, the more Debbie did it. Do you understand that our emotions, our expressions are given to us by God? I I promise you joy does not come from the devil. And so what happens is we get, we lose sight of joy because after all, we're grown adults. I mean, how could we possibly come to the house of God? and get excited. So we, I went to a church one time, I, I, I got back home. My dad said, how was it? He, he wasn't going to church, but he was encouraging me to go. He said, how was it? I said, dad, I had sung the whole song before they got through the first line. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, but I mean, I'm used to, anybody in the house. Oh, don't sit there and look at me like you. You know, when you were in the world, you'd hit the dance floor. You thought you was John Travolta. You you didn't care what anybody thought. You got out on the dance floor, man, I was the disco duck. You didn't care. But after you got saved, you let the devil take your joy. I didn't quit dancing, I just changed partners. I'm dancing to a different tune now. It's time to let joy come back in your life. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to get happy. I'm about to get happy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The secret of joy is it'll bring you strength. So the next time you feel like you're faltering and you're flailing and you're about to go under, why don't you throw your hands up and start worshiping God? And a boy in Mississippi that had a car wreck, he rolled his truck. I don't know how fast he was going. When we got to the hospital, they'd already told the parents he's not going to live. He's going to die. If he does live, he'll be a vegetable because his brain is swollen and all this stuff being fed to that family. We stood up to pray and Debbie said, wait a minute, man. Said, we're trusting God. We gathered the family together and started praying and all of a sudden things started changing. Doctors came back. He wasn't supposed to be able to talk, but he was talking. He wasn't supposed to be able to walk, but he was walking. Daddy ran down the hall of the hospital and started doing cartwheels right there in the hospital. Why? Because joy, joy, unspeakable and full of glory. This is supposed to be a season of joy. Quit trying to find the next Tickle Me Elmo and start raising your hands and praising God for the reason for the season. Joy, are you ready? 
How many of you need some joy in your life today? I want you, I want you to come up front right now if you need some joy in your life. Look, I know I'm the only thing between you and fried chicken right now. But there's some things more important than fried chicken. Come on up here, come on up here real quick. I want some folks to help me out. Some young guys, old guys that are strong. <laughs> are you ready for joy? I said, are you ready for joy? Now look, on the Bible said that if two or three would agree touching any one thing, that it would be done. Hold it just a second. I want, come here just a second. I want you to stretch it. No, no, right here, right here. I'm sorry. Right here. Just stretch your hands. Hold it, hold it just a second. Hold it just a second. Stretch your hands up. There's been a cloud that's been hovering over your home for the last several months. God's getting ready to split that cloud wide open. The reason it's been so intense lately, when it seems like it's, it's getting harder, you're feeling more pressure, it's because there's a rainbow behind that cloud. Uh, there's a promise that... Come on, raise your hands and love him with me right now. See, Pastor, what just happened? Look, man, the scripture said no man can see God and live. If he touches you, something's going to happen. Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. This is what I... Joy is contagious. Hey, come, come here, you two, just a second. Some of you aren't aware that uh, Lance and Kristen have gone through a birth process with their daughter, Jeremiah, since he was born the end of October. And Jennifer hasn't been out of the hospital since then. And they keep writing Jeremiah off, but Jeremiah keeps coming back. They keep, they keep telling them that, you know, this is, this is going to happen, but he keeps astounding the doctors. I believe that Jeremiah is a child of purpose. I believe that God, and I want you to hear this because the Lord gave this to me one other time. It said, God will use that baby before he can say his first words. How many of you will believe with me right now? We're looking for a miracle. <laughs> and I know the one that specializes in them. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Father. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow your trumpets and shout. We don't care what they say. Praise for the victory. We don't care what they say. I've heard their reports, but I believe in your reports. Worship is the way. Oh, <laughs> 
Do you understand what it means to be a conductor? My, my aunt could lay her hand on an electric fence and it didn't really impact her. But she reached out and got a hold of my dad with her hand on that fence and it knocked a fire out of my dad. She's a conductor. In other words, the electricity uses her, it passes through her to touch someone else. God has called us to be conductors. So today, we're gonna conduct some joy. Are you ready? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, get your eyes off your circumstance. You can look at me, I'll be your neighbor. Get your eyes off your circumstance and get your eyes on Jesus. Because he's not just gonna bring joy to you and me, he's bringing joy to the world. Are you ready for it? Reach out, reach out, get somebody by the hand right now. Hey, we're glad to have, hold it a second. We're glad to have Corey, I got it right. We're glad to have Corey with us today. Corey's been coming to the youth meeting and she's here with us today. And I just wanna say this to you, Corey. You need to understand that God's got something special in store for your life because you're not who other people said you are and you're not even who you thought you were. You're who he said you were. He created you with a specific purpose. He didn't make any mistake, no accident. You are his child. Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Father, thank you for the for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Move his trumpets and shout. Praise and bow the victory. right now conductors say it with me conductor grab a hand grab a hand if you got to break in online break in grab a hand conductor so here's the deal you don't get to be blessed and not be a blessing to somebody else you got to conduct it you got to be a conductor God's not just gonna give you joy unspeakable so you can go home sit in your happy place and just rock back and forth. Conductor, you gotta take it someplace. You gotta give it out. Freely if received, freely give. Are you ready for it? They're gonna sing this song. Wait, just, yeah, just hang on. If you're in the audience, grab somebody's hand. Look, I want you to hear my heart. I'm not interested in just going to church, folks. I'm not interested in just preaching and being a pastor. I'm interested in seeing God change lives and touch the world.
touch your world. So that means you got to cross the street. You got to tell somebody how good God's been to you. Are you ready for it? Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. God, we come to you in this house and we ask you to cause joy unspeakable, inexpressible, glorious joy to fall on us. Not in the purpose of us just being blessed, but so that we can be a conductor of that joy and bring hope to a heart that's hopeless. Bring joy where there's been mourning. Turn it around now, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let it happen now. We give you a break. Come on, give my hand clap of praise in this house. with you are you going to take it it's what I want you to do I want you to take this and I want you to share it this week share it with somebody I don't care what if they don't want to hear it it never kept you from talking before share it share it what if they don't receive it Share it. Do you understand? When you share it, hold it, hold it just a second. The Bible said that, the, I, I'm not preaching again, I promise. This is my last ending. The Bible said that the sower went forth to sow. And it said, and it gave a variety of ground that the seed fell on. It said some fell among thorns, some fell on the highway. Some fell in stony places. It never said that the sower wasn't supposed to have sown his seed in those areas. 
You sow your seed everywhere you go. You say, well, isn't seed thrown across a sidewalk a waste of seed? How many of you have ever seen grass grow in the crack of sidewalks? <laughs> You'll be surprised where God will show up if you'll just tell people about him. Amen. So here's my commission to you today. You're blessed. You are anointed and appointed by God. God has his hand on your life. You have purpose. God knows you by name. He specifically designed you. So don't try and be what somebody else wants you to be. And don't look at a magazine and say, this is who I'm supposed to be. Be who God created you to be. And go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Amen. God bless you today. We're going to pray over the food. We're getting ready to let you go. Do not run over each other. Father, I thank you, Lord, for both spiritual and natural food today. Let it not just sustain us, but let it cause us to gain strength in you. We thank you for every family, every individual. We praise them for the gift of God they are to this body and to the world. We ask you to use them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you at the Life Center. Merry Christmas.